Welcome back to the Heartland Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership and the way of Jesus. My name's Clint, and as you probably know, we're in the midst of a series called Sacred. Perhaps you're just finding out about this podcast because you heard about it uh, during one of our Sunday sermons. And we just wanted to explore some of the topics that we're going to discuss through this series more in depth. Uh, so we're going to do a three-part uh, podcast series uh, exploring these ideas. I have a great panel with me today. Uh, I'd like to just take a moment and have you each introduce yourselves. So go ahead, Brian. Yeah, my name is Brian. I head up communications here at Heartland Community Church. And I'm Nicole Weidekal. I oversee operations. And I'm Dave Ambrose. I'm one of the pastors on staff. So for this first week, uh, we had just had a sermon about sacred sexuality um, and just felt like this was a better venue to have a conversation about the topic of transgenderism. Uh, you may have heard the term before, uh, the, the phrase, leave no stone unturned. That is not gonna be this conversation. We're not gonna unturn every stone. Some will be left unturned. Uh, we encourage you to go study this topic for yourself if you're interested uh, and have conversations with people. That's what we're gonna try to model today. Uh, I don't think any of us have all the answers uh, to what we're gonna be talking about. We're all just fellow learners on this journey to try to understand one another understand God and scripture and how all these things interact. So I think a good starting place, and in fact often serves as a obstacle right away in the discussion, are, is the terminology. So just the terms sex and gender often cause a lot of confusion. What do we mean by those terms? Do you guys have a way to kick us off with how you would define each of those things, and if that helps at all, unpack the topic? Yeah, I was just gonna say, Clint, it, it wasn't a real difficult thing when I was younger. I mean, maybe that's because I'm the old man on, you know, in the group here, but it was pretty, like transgender wasn't even a word when I was growing up, so it's a relatively new concept. Um, but it was pretty easy, in, in my opinion, when you were younger to define who a boy was and a male and who a girl was and a female. And it's not even, and so just try to appreciate that, it wasn't even something that we struggled with mm -hmm. growing up. It wasn't even something we talked about growing up. So that's why, you know, this topic is, is I think, such a difficult one. It's and you didn't, did you encounter this at all in church world? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I'm talking about like the real world, yeah. but let alone church world. No. In fact, I think today most churches still wouldn't talk about this. This would be a subject that's kind of taboo. We don't talk about sex in church, let alone, you know, the topic for today. Um, and I just think it's important that we do talk about it. I think it's important that, like you said, we don't have the answers, yeah. um, but I think through the conversation, we can all learn a little bit more, hopefully grow um, in our love toward the people that God's created, yeah. no matter who we are. And I should have said this at the outset as well. Please extend us some grace as we try to have this conversation and use the right terminology. I know a lot of people will put down, like draw the battle lines around using certain words exactly, correctly, and, but it's just a minefield of different terminology. People use them differently. So just please show us some Grace, as well, we go I'm, about this. I'm so glad you said that because I'm a little intimidated to just be a part of the conversation because I feel like I, I don't know the language. I, too, grew up with um, pretty basic understanding, and it's, it's all new, and I'm, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. so, Even though you're you a lot that. younger than I am. Uh, considerably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, what's difficult when 
I was asked to be a part of this, I hesitated a little bit because for me growing up, I had friends in high school who were transitioning. Hmm. And so watching that and not having an understanding of what that even meant, because my parents come from a background where it wasn't talked about, it wasn't a known thing. Um, so, but to see people who I genuinely cared for kind of wrestling with this in, in, in defining the life and the truth that they are experiencing, um, coming into this, I there there is a lot that I still I've been walking with Jesus since I was 16. I'm 38 now, but this is something where I still wrestle with. I I don't know definitively. I know what what contextually what the Bible says, but when I take that and look at the people that God has placed in my life, and I know that ultimately <laughs> Jesus is number one to me, and I want Jesus to be number one for everybody. And to have that conversation with somebody gender is not the first place I go, right? And so it's, it's, it's difficult because I see the church as a whole sometimes will focus on these things, but it's also we choose to focus on certain things and not, like, no one's going to come up to me on a Sunday and say, hey, Brian, like, you probably should stop eating or, or cut back. Like, you're, you're really, like, going overboard here. You're, you're starting to show a little bit. You're, you know, you're plumping <laughs> up because they, they would hurt my feelings, right? That would be taboo to do that. But it's okay, it's okay to go and say, oh, this lifestyle that you're living, you know, you should clean that up. We, we don't accept that here. Not that we, anyone would do that I here I hope at this it's church. not happening here. Right, yeah. but it's happening that within bluntly. the culture, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's so tricky. And then also, I've got two young girls that are growing up that I identify, that, you know what, they are going to have probably more of an, of, more relationships with people who are transitioning through this time or questioning these things than even I was exposed to. And so how do I, I don't have my stuff together or my understanding, so how do I even teach my kids? How do you parent well right. through yeah. this? Yeah. So yeah. would you say, just to ask a question about that, Brian, that's intriguing to me, would you say, you said you had two girls, I have two boys. Your girls were born um, with female genitalia, so they were born female in gender, and I would say my boys were born male. I mean, I was there when they were born. You know, I, I watched, I had no control over that, but God created them, I, I believe, a certain way and gave them male genitalia. Mm -hmm. And so the, the gender they were assigned at birth by God was male. Um, I think for me... And just to be super clear, are you using gender synonymously with the word sex? The sex of the child and the gender of the child are the... Oh, probably. Okay. Yeah, I'm not totally clear what the difference may be, no, but that... I, I think so. I mean, okay. so I knew just by looking that my boys were boys, you know, when they mm -hmm. were born. At least my understanding of what a boy was. And, and tried to raise them in an open atmosphere, and, but also guided them. Being a man, trying to use the masculinity that God created in me to share with them. Um, and it seemed like, you, you know, on that journey, they had journeys of that too, and we had lots of conversations about that, and um, lots of minefields along the way. And of course, they were, had friends that were transitioning um, or in different stages of that. And the basic, like the bottom line that I kept coming back to is, how would Jesus want us to treat this person? 
They're a person made in the image of God. I don't care what their gender is or what they think it is. They're a person made in the image of God, loved by God, who created them in that way. And so that, that was always our response. It was like, I don't care who they are. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care what their sexual orientation is or identity. Our responsibility is to love them, not to change them, not to try to convince them, convert them. And to me, it's just a, it's a shame that, especially in a church, um, that anyone wouldn't feel welcomed. I mean, if God welcomes me, the mess of my life that I've had in, in, in my life, then why can't I welcome those who, well, no matter where they, and by the way, Brian, I have had somebody in church tell me I was too fat. <laughs> so it actually does happen. You were body shamed. I was body shamed. Okay. And, but, but think about that. I mean, we kind of laugh about it, but imagine if I was, I mean, you bring up a great point. Imagine if I was shamed like that everywhere I went. I, I, there's no way I'd go to church. Right. Why would I do that? So, okay, let's, let's just go here next then with, that sounds great, to be welcoming to everybody regardless of any characteristic at all. What we're really focusing on is the identity as a child of God or someone who is loved by God. But I think for some inquiring minds, there are these tricky scenarios that life presents us with where what is the wise or loving way to respond? So for instance, a really common phenomenon with someone who identifies as transgender is the feeling like they want to adopt a new name for themselves, mm -hmm. maybe corresponding to the gender that they identify with. Um, what, what's a good example of if Brian, you know, started to identify as female and wanted to go by Brianna and so Brian comes to you, or Brianna comes to you, and asks you, I'd really like to be referred to with this name, okay? Because he sees, sees himself as a female. So as a, as a Jesus follower, or I don't know if we want to bring that into it quite yet, but just what would be the loving response to that? Do you, is it a good thing to use the name that they're asking you to use, or does that... I think someone might worry, well, you are placing a certain amount of affirmation or condoning, I don't know if that's really the right word, but um, placing a blessing on something that maybe you don't think is accurate. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps you're coming from the persuasion that, oh, Brian, I'm so sorry you're struggling with gender dysphoria, perhaps, and you're finding displeasure in the, the gender or sex you were assigned at birth. Um, but you're actually not a female. And so I don't really feel comfortable using this name you've invented, Brianna, to refer to you. Um, so just there, that's a scenario that a lot of trans, parents of transgender children face, and just yeah. those of us that encounter them. What's the wise, loving thing to do there? Yeah, I, I don't know, because I've, I've not been a parent of a transgender child. But what I would say is, the first thing I would do is listen to Bri Brianna's story. I would want to listen. I don't know anything about Brian or Brianna or what led them to that. I would, I would probably respond with, hey, can you tell me more about that? Or can we grab a cup of coffee so I can, I can listen to like what, why would you like to be referred to that way? What's behind that? Um, I would do my best to treat them with love and respect. Um, now, if it were my child and I saw Joshua or Tyler be born that way, to me it's completely disrespectful 
for someone to refer to them. I know they're a male, they're a boy. They were born masculine. So for me, as the dad who gave birth, help mm-hmm. give birth, I didn't give birth, help give yeah. birth, um, it, it really, it would be hard, it'd be offensive to me for somebody to refer them in a different sex. And I would, I would struggle with that. And if yeah. it were my son, we would have to have long, difficult conversations. I would not excommunicate, I would not ridicule, I would not make fun of or put down, um, but it would, I'm just, just for me, be very difficult, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. Well, and similarly, we have two boys, and what I'm learning in my parenting, and I've also never dealt with this specific issue, but what I'm learning is my priority is my relationship with my kids. And so if I think, not being in the situation, but based on other decisions that we've made in our parenting, if one of our boys would come to us with with this change and a new name, I would want to prioritize them because that is still who we created with God and and I want to be in relationship with my child. And much like you, I want to understand because I wouldn't Mm -hmm. that journey that they were on, but as as their mom, I I want to be in relationship Mm. with them. And and if that sounds soft and like we're not taking a hard stand in that, that's the image of God in the Trinity that we see. Well, it depends. The hard stand is relative to what topic you're taking a stand on. Like, I would see you, you're taking a hard stand on loving your child. But maybe someone go. who's accusing you of that, like, why aren't you taking a hard stand on the topic of transgenderism? Yeah. Like, well, I'm not putting that, that doesn't, that's not on the that's highest good. pedestal of my value structure. And, and that's to be right. honest, I'm just, I, I don't care what other people think about how I handle it. I, I'm going to be concerned. I'm going to answer to God someday about how I handle, how I love my son. But as leaders... And like a leadership podcast, I think like folks are like us on staff at church are looking to us to be a guide in some way. And, mm-hmm. and so that I think people would want to know, like, Dave, how would you handle this? And I know you're saying I don't maybe don't care what I like. I'm accountable to God first, but mm-hmm. we would want to know, like, how how should we go about it? Brian, did you want to? Yeah, add I think to that? that I would definitely approach this situation from the stance of. Is my role in this relationship to be the one that passes judgment, right? Mm. And I don't think in any relationship that's healthy that that should play that that should be part of anyone's role, right? Mm-hmm. And so, understanding that I do believe in a single God that knows what is right and knows how to judge, I'm going to leave that up to Him and understand that my role in this relationship is to be loving and caring for that person, and so. I'm thankful that I have a God that I can say, all right, he's going to follow up and do whatever needs to happen here. In this moment right now, I'm just going to love and respect and honor that person. I think what trips us up sometimes is that with being created in the image of God, God is a judger, right? And so there is that part of us that wants that justice and wants to be able to say, oh, this is how it should be. But we have to leave that up to him. And we can't engage with people placing more value on our desire to be right. I'd That's rather good. be loving, right? That's good. I think listening and understanding would come before judging and telling um, or making declarative statements, especially in an area that I don't, I don't have a lot of credibility in. And um, like if, if, my, if this was going on with my son, or let's say someday my grandson or granddaughter, I am always going to lean toward grace and love and understanding and like what Nicole mentioned, I think that's so good, the relationship. 
to maintain that relationship no matter what. Now, if they ask me my opinion, I'm also, both and, I am also going to share my opinion. Like if, if my son looked at me and said, Dad, what's your opinion? And again, a lot of people offer their opinions even before they're asked. But wait until, if my son asked me, I would also say, Josh, you are a boy. This is how God created you. Maybe your um, struggle in this transition process is a case of mistaken sexual, sexual identity. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to judge. But here's what I can tell you. I was there at your birth, and this is what I saw. This is what I knew. And if you're feeling this struggle, can I walk with you in it? Like, can I stay in relationship with you? Okay, okay. if you don't mind, if I push you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. What if you, in that scenario, you also know, so you know your son's a boy, but you also know that if I were to be that blunt, it would damage the relationship. If I were to say what I just said? Mm-hmm. Would, is... Yeah, I guess So it, again, putting if, the truth-telling to the test. Yeah, so again, I, pr- I wouldn't say that unless he, unless he asked for my opinion. You'd be shocked at how many people don't care about what my opinion is, but yeah. I'm going to offer it anyway. But if he did ask my opinion, I would try to speak what I would know as the truth in as much love as I can. If that damaged the relationship, it would grieve my heart. So, good, you, just, you used a little locution that I know some listeners have been wondering about through the airwaves, or maybe on YouTube. If you're listening in the car, you can also watch us on YouTube. Go subscribe to the Heartland Community Church channel. But they're thinking, I really want you guys to talk about Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, I've lifted that out of a whole letter. Deserves a whole parsing on that uh, level of analysis. But just that phrase, speaking the truth in love, I can hear folks saying, look, your responsibility as someone faithful to Scripture and to Jesus that sometimes there is such confusion uh, afoot that there needs to be truth brought into the situation. Even if it doesn't seem to be loving, it can be loving to express a truth. If I'd like you to it, deal with that So again, if it's, if it's true, it's from God, because all truth is God's truth. That's the way I would understand it and I would share the truth that I know, again, um, witnessing my son's birth in as loving a way as possible, and, and if that damaged the relationship, it would, it would cause me a ton of grief, and I would do my best to, to try to make that relationship work. But if ultimately my son chose, I'm not, I'm not gonna choose, there's nothing my son could do that would break the relationship. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Like he could say, I hate you, dad. You know, go to hell, dad. Change his name. He will always have my DNA in him. He will always have my blood in him. He will always be my son, even if he refuses to acknowledge it. So from my end, there's nothing he can do. But if he chooses to walk away, yeah, I, I would still keep pursuing him and I would grieve and it would be incredibly difficult. And I, I don't know what I would do. Probably cry a lot, you know, probably re-examine my words, but I can't deny that that's the truth that I've witnessed and experienced at that time. 
I don't know, what do you guys think? If that happened to you and your family, like, how would you react? Yeah, I think it would be similar. When you, what you just said to me also, I think, illustrates my understanding of God's heart towards us as well. So even mm. for that person that is transitioning or wrestling with that, whether I think it's right or wrong, whether my understanding of biblical principles are right or wrong, I still think that God is going to never stop pursuing them, and it's going to break his heart as well, just like it breaks his heart when I am walking away from him in areas of my life that are still a struggle. Yeah. So, yeah, so for my kids, I think it would be exactly the same. Hmm. Well, and, you know, whether it's a um, what the truth is in that, what that conversation could look like of me saying, like, this is what I know is true. You were born a boy, also having this empathy for you're choosing a really hard life. Mm. Mm. There's pain ahead in this road for you. What has brought you to this place? Um, and what, can you say more about what the choice being made in that story is? Well, I'm, in my very limited experience and knowledge is that's being transgender is not an accepted welcome lifestyle in general. Um, our, our culture wouldn't view it as culture, such necessarily. Right, it's right. A, it would lead to a difficult life. Right. So why would somebody choose that, right? Exactly. And and we honor the, the traditional family unit, and that's going to look different for you now. What, like, what is this life that you're signing? My heart would break for, this is a hard life that you're entering into. And yet, someone I could see pushing back and saying, I'm, I'm not choosing it. I was born this way. Like right. deep, something deep inside of me has always wanted to be a girl. And, and so again, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional, but I would try my best to tell me, tell me more about that. And I would just, as their father, keep coming back to the truth that at least biologically, this is how you were born. Like this is what I saw biologically. Now, if there's something else going on that's caused that, and let's, let's keep talking about that. Okay, so I think we're, unless, did you want to add something real No, quick? I was going to say, I think that it depends on the culture that, the subculture of the culture we live in. There are some communities that Very this accepted. may not be as difficult. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Absolutely, so it, it, it right. It plays in also. Yeah. And that also, so being a little hesitant to have this conversation was being aware of that, of knowing that there are entire communities that understand that side of this much more deeper than we do. Like, we're focusing on the transgender term, but there are a lot of other ones that we're not even aware of, you know? And so in certain cultures within our society, this is not taboo. And I think that the guiding factor with all that I don't know about all this has to be, at least in my motivation, to love this person the best way that I know how. Because that's ultimately what I'm responsible for, is how am I showing them the love of God? And I'm not worried about what this person thinks about how I'm responding or, you know, like, yeah. all I can control is myself and my own reaction. And to me, the wise thing to do is listen a lot more than you talk and judge and do your best to try to understand their unique perspective. So I think we've captured that really well. Like, I think we're in basic agreement on this posture of love and understanding. I totally get that. But now, um, 
I guess what even generated the conversation is that, like, why are you even talking about this? I mean, there are a host of other things that you could give the exact same answer to. So why is this particular one getting a whole podcast about it? I think it's because there is this idea, perhaps, that um, it would be a little bit more difficult to love in this scenario, maybe because there's something about the situation that is not the way it should be, or it doesn't align with a Christian worldview, or something like that. So I'm just wondering, for those that, I mean, we faith-seeking understanding, we get it, we want to love people, but for those of us that want to understand the truth of the matter, um, like, is gender different from sex? Is transit, how, um, should we be affirming of uh, different sexualities and identities? Um, it can feel like a blind person groping about in the dark in a cave. Are there some handholds that we can grab onto to like make sense and, and build this into a well thought out, robust worldview and like understand the world correctly? One path forward would be to try to determine, does the scripture say anything about this topic at mm-hmm. all? Or are we just, you know, just kind of sh- shooting the breeze here of our little opinions? Are there some time-tested values or ideas in scripture or in science or in philosophy that could help kind of shape and mold a responsible worldview? Is there anything from scripture that, like, so Dave, for instance, your conviction that, like, you know, I, I held my the child that Melody gave birth to, and boy, son, there was something about, you saw that, and you used the term masculine a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Where, from whence are you deriving that language, and is there a reason that you're using that maybe from Scripture or something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, from the beginning, God created us male and female. Um, there, there's, a, there's a part, I think, that we need each other it's very important, right? Why, why didn't God just create us all males or all females? Like, there's, there's a both and, and I think that I can learn a lot about God from females because I'm not female. So to understand the feminine heart of God, I need friends like Nicole. I need a relationship with my wife and, you know, to understand that. And good, just to uh, add on to that, so you quoted Genesis 1:27, male and female, he created them. But right before that, so God created mankind in his own image. Right. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Right. So it's connect, not just like, what am I going to make? Uh, some male and female. No, there's something about male and female, at least according to this story, a lot to think about with how to sure. understand Genesis 1. But um, if we can just lift that out for a moment, um, a lot of masculine, feminine, male, female baked into the character of God in some way. That's right. And, and yet God is not male or female, <laughs> right? So how do we, how, how, how to understand that? What does that really mean practically? Well, I think there's traits both of male and masculine and femininity in, in the Godhead, right? And um, I think like you see a lot of references to the Holy Spirit as almost having this female connotation to it. And yet Jesus was a, was a man, was a male. And so God chose to reveal himself in the masculine. We talk about, at least the scripture talks about our heavenly father. Um, but again, God's not, I don't, he's not a man. He's not a woman. He's a spirit. And he's, re, he's created us in his image. 
And yet I was looking for a scripture. I can't remember exactly where it is. If I was a good pastor, I'd know exactly. But uh, where it talks about there is no longer, I thought it was in Galatians 5, but there mm. is no longer male or female. Yeah, nor slave, nor free. Uh, nor slave, nor free. And he goes, it's such an interesting passage to me. So someday in eternity, will we, will we beyond, will we go beyond gender? <laughs> when we see God for what he is and what he really is in his being? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, and I, it is an interesting question. In my limited knowledge or guessing, I would think that probably yes. I, because we all, I think, possess the capacity for both masculine and feminine qualities in ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am a sensitive dude. And so that, does that mean that I'm feminine? I mean, I, get, I have that characteristic. From birth, I've always been that way. Mm. I'm not claiming to be a woman, right? And then and I have my youngest daughter, Olivia. She has, she could be more aggressive sometimes, right? So I, I think that it's interesting to me that the first part of that creation story of the, created in his image, that they're both there. And like you said, God is neither male or female. Both characteristics are there. And both characteristics, I think, were placed in us as well. And we need them both. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said there, Brian, because I feel the same way. I've been told that I'm a strong female. And there's times when I feel like um, my femaleness works against me in my gifting of uh, leadership and in my role. And in a recent conversation we were having, I shared with Dave, like sometimes I just, I feel like I'm encased in this and I need people to see me for who I am, not make judgments based on um, gender. Good, and there, like I said at the beginning, we're gonna leave some stones unturned. Many of them. Many, there's, <laughs> there's a lot to get into. And I mean, a lot of what we've said uh, hinges on like different views of philosophy of mind and is there a, what's a soul can you have a male soul and female soul can't unpack all that right now we get, let's grab coffee or lunch and we can talk more about that um, and just know that we don't have all the answers there's a certain mystery to this there's a certain and we have to i think we many people who call themselves christians these days want to have everything all figured out and yet our faith, there's a mystery to it. We're not always going to have it all figured out. Like, if you can tell me how Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit can all have distinct personalities but just be one God, I, I get stuck on that one, okay? And that's just, like, the main one. Yeah. And so when we get down to this stuff, I think we just have to admit and come before God and say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get people that ask me questions like, well, is a transgender person welcome at Heartland Community Church? Good, that's where I uh, want to go next. Yeah, yeah, because you're welcome here. And because I'm welcome here, you know, and everyone is, well, well, are they welcome to serve? Well, let me see. Do you have a policy against transgender people? No, because we don't have a policy against gluttony and against lust and against alcoholism and against name your sin, a pride, right? It's all of this is are things that potentially separate us from God if we give in to that lifestyle. And our whole, the whole idea is that God created us for a relationship, back to what Nicole said, for this loving relationship. So how do we, how do we move people toward that? It certainly isn't by excluding them. I never mm-hmm. saw Jesus exclude anyone uh, except, except one group of people. And you know who it was? It was the religious people, the people who thought they were on the inside. Those are the ones he had the harshest words for. He spent time, and he wasn't worried about what people said about him, with the drunks, with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors. That's where Jesus hung out. 
And I just think we as a church have gotten away from that. Like, that's who we should be welcoming, and there's where we should be spending our time. But if I may, um, I could imagine you know, a, a transgender person listening to this and wondering, uh, I feel like you might have been associating prostitute, drunkard, glutton, transgender. Oh, well, sorry. Why is that? <laughs> is that? Am I amongst that collection? Why, why, have I, why has any negative moral ascription been labeled toward well, me? Well, certainly and, and some even, Christians would do that. Right. Right? I mean, they, whatever the sin is. Uh, some people, well, so here's one. When I was younger, my mom was divorced, and she wasn't allowed to sing in the church choir or be a member of the church because she got divorced. Hmm. This is what it was back in the 60s. Her husband beat her, and she left him, to start a, you know, like a halfway normal life, and yet the church penalized her. It's like, what in the world kind of, yeah, where does that come from? Yeah. And so they would, they would say, my, my, my mom was a sinful person. No, that's not at all what I'm saying about transgender. And in fact, I hope there are transgender people listening because I'd love for them to contact, and so I'd love to learn more yeah. about their story and how I can better respond because I, I am always kind of worried about offending. That's not at all what I want to do. Um, I want to try to listen, what I try to understand, and I want to try to share the truth in love. And the truth is that God loves you. <laughs> no matter if you're overweight like Brian and me and you or... <laughs> No yeah. matter what's going on in your life. Right. Thanks for the exclusion on that. I appreciate yeah. it. I feel a little bit body shamed. Um, well, did you guys have any other thoughts that you wanted to just end our time with on this matter? I, I just hope that we as a church, you know, we, we can genuinely learn to offer people grace, love people no matter who they are, where they're from. And yeah, some people are more difficult to love. You know, I don't know all there is to know about someone who's transgender, someone from a different race. And so I have to work extra hard at that. But I, I would just hope that we as a congregation would put the work in to do that. Because what happens is, if we, if we give ourselves to it, God's Spirit begins to change us and transform our hearts. That's what he's getting after. Instead of us worrying about changing the other people... God wants to change us using those people. That's why the same thing, like God gave Melody to me so that, not so I could change Melody, so that he could use Melody to make me more like him. And I look at all relationships that way. And, and some are more, some are easier than others. I'll be honest. Like there's, I have difficult time with certain people. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I have, to, I have to push in on that myself. But that's what I would want at least this congregation to be known for and to know, be known for the fact that we don't have it all figured out. Like we're learning as we go and if, if something I've said has offended you, man, please forgive me. That's not at all what I want to do because I don't think that's what, that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would also speak the truth in love, I think. Yeah. Any other thoughts or you good? All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Heartland Leadership Podcast. The best way to support this is, again, to go to YouTube and subscribe uh, or leave a comment or review on your favorite podcatcher, however you're interacting with this. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.